Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Good morning, church. Good morning. Is it working, guys? There you go. <laughs> Good morning. Hi, I'm Katie Brock, and uh, usually you see me up in the choir loft, uh, but today I get the uh, joy of being liturgist for the day. And we have the great privilege of having Pastor David Valero with us from the Pacific Northwest Conference. Few of you may have recognized him from before, um, but we're delighted he's back again while Pastor Donna is soaking up those last few rays of sunshine in the White Islands. So, the call to worship. If you can rise, great. If you're rising in spirit but staying seated, that's fine too. We gather to worship the God who calls us to do justice. God, here we are. All glory belongs to you. We gather to worship the God who calls us to cherish kindness. God, here we are. From you, all good things come. We gather to worship the God who calls us to journey humbly, side by side with them. God, here we are. Give us all the need to As we gather on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish people, let us reconcile our hearts towards God and one another through the passing of the peace of Christ. During the next few moments, if you are in the room, we invite you to share the peace of Christ with your neighbor in a way you both are comfortable. Maybe with a fist bump or a wave, not the wave that everybody stands up and goes down, but a hug or a handshake. If you are joining us online, we encourage you to text or call a loved one to share the peace of Christ with them as well. The peace of Christ be with you.
Lift bright our end days to come as we have gathered into one. Open the gates and the light will shine all around. Let there be light. All are welcome, all invited to open hearts and open minds. In our living, in our learning, may we always be searching for truth and Peace with justice is made real. Open the gates and the light will shine all around. Let there be light. All are welcome, all invited to open hearts and open minds. In our living, in our learning, may we always be searching for truth and love. Now is the hour, join in the song, here in this place where we belong. Open the gates and the light will shine all around, let there be light. All are welcome, all invited to open hearts and open minds. In our living, in our learning, may we always be searching for truth and Good morning, children. Come on up. If you like dogs, I suppose I should say. Uh, this is Mango. Okay. Oh, there we go. All right. Find a seat, everybody. Mango will sit beside you. Okay, so this morning in Sunday school, we are talking about love. And I thought there was no better example of love than Mango May. So here we are. So let me ask you for, while you're up here, when you think of love, what do you think of? Dogs. Dogs. <laughs> Do you want to share what specifically about dogs or just dogs in general, she says. Okay, yes. Any other thoughts that come to mind when you think of love? Family. Family, Family yes. Friends. Friends, yes. So in what ways do we feel loved? Like, we've got these people who love us. Are there things in particular that we like in order to feel loved? They care for us. They care for us. 
Yes. Do you all have dogs at home? Some of yes. you do, some of you don't. Yes, yes. So when I think about the love of Mango May, I think of somebody who's always there. She never says anything to me, not once. She's almost 10, but she's consistent in showing up. She doesn't have to say words. She loves adventure. She'll just stand by my side. We'll go Nordic skiing or walking along the river or mountains. She's just consistent and steady in showing up. Any other thoughts when you think about love and what qualities make us feel loved? Or why you love your dog so much or your dog loves you so much? Nothing. Maybe like reassurance? Reassurance, yes, yes. My other favorite thing about Mango is, you know, she doesn't feel like any of her works create her belovedness, right? So I'll just see her taking naps for like 12 hours a day. She's just sitting there sleeping. She knows she's loved. She knows she's worthy of love, yep. So that's what we're gonna talk about today in Sunday School, how love is patient and kind, it does not boast. It's slow to anger. And you can come see Mango if you want. Okay, so let's say a prayer. Dear God. Dear God. Thank you for loving us exactly as we are. Amen. Lay them down, lay them 
fruition lay them down lay them at your feet lay them down lay them at your feet good morning church Much better, thank you. My name is Phil Borgness. Please rise whatever ways are meaningful to you for the reading of the scripture. This morning's scripture is a reading from Micah, chapter six, verses six through eight in the New Revised Standard Version. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Please join us in the singing of the hymn of preparation.
Good morning, friends. I am uh, the Reverend David Valera. I serve as your Executive Director of Connectional Ministries uh, for the Pacific Northwest Conference. That's my fancy title. <laughs> but people ask me, what is it that you really do when you talk about Connectional Ministries? Well, I said, I'm like a mechanic who aligns the four wheels of a car to make sure that what we say as a conference is actually what we do. Where we say we are headed should be where we are going. So I hold us accountable. And so when I hold us accountable, that means I'm not always very popular. <laughs> I work with the bishop and the cabinet. I work with the treasurer. I work with the trustees. I work with the connectional table. And my job is to, is to find out what the wrong things are, sometimes not only on the shiny surface of the church, church, but what's beneath it. So the mechanic really falls like a good analogy to what I do. And I've been doing this job for almost 20 years now. In my 20 years of doing this for the conference, I have met a lot of people. And Pastor Donna is one of those great folks whom I have met. And uh, she's a great colleague. And we both serve in the Western jurisdiction some, uh, a few years back. And, and this, uh, just this week, she sent me a message and said, thank you, dear friend, for allowing me to enjoy the sunshine here in Hawaii. <laughs> and I said to myself, hmm, someday I'm going to invite her to do my job. And I'm going to send her the same text. <laughs> But Donna, if you're enjoying your uh, time in Hawaii, I envy you and we bless you and hope that uh, you are soaking in all that sun for the rest of us who are not blessed with sunshine this morning. However, I come here with joy as uh, I literally am here with my wife, Joy. I don't see her. Where is my wife, Joy? Is she here? Oh, there she is. <laughs> so, Joy, would you please stand up? Uh, this is my inspiration and my joy that I want to share with you. We are both uh, born, uh, raised, and bred from the Philippines. We're immigrants to this country, and uh, we, have, uh, we have served the church, and Joy is a medical professional, so that's the place where she almost might see her and know her. But um, one of the joys of being here in the Pacific Northwest is we get to talk a lot about immigration. We get to talk a lot about people and diversity and all sorts of things. And all sorts of wonderful gifts that we in the Northwest are, because we're closer to the Pacific Ocean, and not only that, we also have a border in the North. And so it becomes a place where I think many folks come to gather and enter what is known as the United States of America. And as the coming together of the United States of America and the United Methodist Church, uh, some of you might need to be reminded, or you might be wondering, did we have a United, do we have United Methodist Church in the Philippines? And I will say, absolutely. I, we, were, uh, we were raised United Methodist. My mom was a deaconess. And uh, Joy grew up actually in a parsonage, as her grandpa was a United Methodist minister who was on horseback back then, that far back. So yeah, we're aging ourselves. But uh, I want to... Uh, Turn our focus to the Reverend Dr. Gil Rendell, who is an author and a wonderful uh, theologian who really challenges the United Methodist Church in so many ways. And one of the recent articles he wrote, he write, uh, he wrote uh, uh, is entitled, Restoring Trust in the Institutional Church Requires Allegiance to Our True Purpose. 
Dr. Rendell says that all institutions eventually gravitate from serving their stated purpose to satisfying powerful institutional constituencies. The current deep mistrust of the institutional church is fueled by the fact that we focus more on our people, our clergy, our resources, and our rules than our true life-giving mission. Trust can only be restore, restored when leaders have the courage and capacity to help our churches do what we were created to do. For example, well-established mature institutions such as United Methodisms, we make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This is an outward-focused mission statement to bring healthy and healing change to both individuals and communities as our goal. But the beginning of decline of membership and resources in the mid-1960s, the anxiety-fueled private mission of institutional survival took over with attention shifting to the strongest internal groups. The clergy, the security of clergy as professional group, efforts of congregational development to support established buildings and traditional programs, the fulfillment of letter of the law on institutional management as outlined by, by books of polity. I have, in my own visits to local churches, spent time with local churches who are paralyzed by their oversized, outdating buildings and properties designed 70 plus years ago for 400 members, even when they are still now down to 20 in average worship attendance. It takes at least an hour for the boiler to warm the building before we could comfortably use it, admits one trusty chair to me. And with the aging population of our congregation, we need that room to be pretty warm, he said. As a result, we have a heavy cost to barely warm our building. And truth be told, when Joy and I started our ministry here in the Pacific Northwest, we served one of those churches. Two questions Dr. Rendell continues to ask. Does the organization actually do what it says it will do? And second, do the leaders have the courage and capacity to do what they say they will do? So the church is now in a time, a crucial time of right-sizing itself. And right-sizing is the act of reorganizing and updating an institution so that it can meet its mission, goals, and objectives. And many of our congregations want to go back to what their church was 70 years ago. Back when they had 300 average in worship, 100 in Sunday school, 40 of those were youth and young children. Do you remember those days? Back then, the church building was the center of ministry in the community. You build it and it will, they will come. You remember those days? It is sad when we see churches trying to relive or return to expectations of ministry from 70 years ago. 
And some don't even need to look back that far. Some churches, they just want to go back to what it was before the COVID lockdowns. And so they wait, they wait, they wait for people to come in. Or in, in other words, they want people to come back. But as we all know, the church, the community, the world has changed. And it continues to change. The background to the reading of Micah. Let me give you a background so you, you understand what that is. The central issue is with all the questions concerning our gifts or the sacrifice. What is it, O oh God, that you want from us? What do you require? Just tell us your favorite offering and we will surely sacrifice it, even if it is rather an extreme request, asked the folks. The last verse of this passage, the one most familiar to us, turns the four question asked in verses six and seven away from their focus on the types of offerings to and toward a focus on the type of person. God does not want a specific type of offering. God wants a specific type of person. The passage culminates with an answer. It may not be the answer that the people expect. In fact, it is not the answer they seek. They have focused on offerings, small and large. They have emphasized sacrificial worship to the exclusion of justice and kindness. The people have rightly considered the nature of their offerings, but God's concern here is to point out that God requires more than sacrifice when entering God's presence. And God clarifies what is good. The answer is rather straightforward. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And in some versions, the word mercy is replaced with the word kindness. Let's say that together. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote in his letter from the Birmingham City Jail, Individuals may see the moral light and voluntarily give up their unjust posture. But as Reinhold Neighbor was, has reminded us, groups are more immoral than individuals. When I read this, I was like, oh, that's true. Sometimes when you are with peers and people around you, you seem to take on a different aura as opposed to when you are an individual person. He continues, so often the contemporary church is a weak and infectual voice with an uncertain sound. So often it is an arch defender of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church is the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often even vocal sanction of things as they are. 
Now, I want to be clear. I am from the institution. I am part of the institution, and I am not anti-institution. I believe institutions are necessary and needed. We depend on the institution to shape our own individual lives, to shape our communities. Without strong, trustworthy institutions, we will strain unnecessary, unsuccessfully to reorient ourselves away from the current overexpression of self, individual liberties, and personal truth. Churches, like other institutions of morality, require us to give us the means to serve something greater than ourselves. But a countercultural institution must clearly understand its own why, the very treasure that it holds. At a training event a few days ago, Pastor Yvonne Agduyang of Redmond shared her experience during their family ministries this past Sunday as they were going through a project or the program known as Messy Church. Are you familiar with Messy Church here in Redmond? I mean, in, in, in uh, Edmonds? Yeah, I saw heads. I saw like, okay. Well, Messy Church is not a messy, dirty church. It is actually a, a way of learning, a way of studying what God is calling us into. And Pastor Yvonne writes, Play-Doh, lots of glitter, costumes, water. And because we were focusing on Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to, 20 to 39, where Jesus heals Simon, Simon's mother-in-law because she had a fever, we got to bandage teddy bears and take their temperature. And you can believe the intro, and can you believe the intro question to this while folks are bandaging up teddy bears was, do you think Jesus still heals today? Do you think Jesus still heals today? She got some responses from adults who said, not really. We got doctors who do the healing. Some youth responded, no, I don't think so. Jesus can't heal cancer. But a four-year-old loudly responded and said, yeah, I think so. I think Jesus still heals today. And when Pastor Yvonne asked her what she meant, she said, I don't know. As with a four-year-old, right? You can imagine what that looks like. But when the child said, yeah, I think Jesus heals, heals clearly, in that moment, Pastor Yvonne had an epiphany. She realized she was not sure when she herself stopped believing that Jesus till, still heals today. Like, really heal us from the inside out. Heal us from our stresses. Heal us from our doubts and anxieties. Heal us from our prejudices and biases and hatred. Friends, we come to this warm, well-maintained, comfortable, beautiful building. Amen? Amen? It is a gift. So I ask, do we believe that this is also a space for healing? Yes. How many of you were like the adults? 
How many of you were the youth? Or how many of you were like that four-year-old? I heard very few four-year-olds in the congregation. Let's try that again. I asked, do you believe that this is also a space for healing? Yes. All right. I guess we've all brought down the age level of uh, this group. I'd love to believe, yes, I personally believe Jesus still heals today in many ways more than one. And not only because I'm married to a medical professional, but it's also that through them, through professionals, through the love and care of neighbors, that healing is lifted and shared among a community. Friends, we have become the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. That healing now comes not in some super miracle that we are waiting for to happen, but it can come through us, through our presence, through our gifts, through our witness, through our love. Yes, because the church of Jesus Christ is very much alive through you, through us. Because we can be agents of justice, love, mercy, and walking humbly with God. The church is in a season of epiphany. It means showing forth Assess a season when we are called to look for how God makes God's self known throughout creation. Epiphany is a moment when something unknown is revealed or made known. And today, this Sunday, for those of you who are following the, um, the calendar of the church, is Transfiguration Sunday. To others, their calendar says Super Bowl Sunday. And Transfiguration Sunday celebrates the glorious revelation of God in Jesus Christ and Christ's manifestation as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Jesus' radiant appearance on the mountaintop evokes the glory of the Lord at Mount Sinai in Exodus when he was revealing himself through a burning bush. Here, as at Jesus' baptism, God claims Jesus as the beloved child in whom God is well pleased. God claims Jesus as a beloved child in whom God is well pleased. The sacrifice that pleases God is not the sacrifice itself, but the acting and living out by which God is pleased and made manifest in our lives. So, I would like to invite us to rethink church today to transfigure ourselves in ways that we can do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. That church is not only the building nor the institution, but as the people of God coming together, answering the call to be a neighbor, to be a friend, to be a comforter, to be a host to a stranger. Let's not go through that there is no room for them in the inn anymore. Let's not go through that experience anymore. Those random acts of kindness we engage in, I hope that they do not remain random anymore. 
nor far in between, but that they can be expressions of we are who we are transformed into because of our relationship with God, because of our relationship with our faith community, because of our relationship with our wider community, and because, yes, we have responded to God's call to do what? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Let's say that again, church. To, to do justice, to love mercy, walk humbly with God. One more time. To do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. This is our call. Thanks be to God.
church. It's a team effort while Donna's away to help uh, make our way through the service. So uh, I offered to help uh, with the pastoral prayer this morning. I'll draw your attention to the prayer requests that are in the back of our bulletin. Those who are dealing with uh, health issues and concerns, those who are dealing with losses, um, and I'll invite us into a time of silent prayer where you can recall those and lift those in prayer, and then I'll close us um, in just a few moments. So I invite you into a posture of prayer. Almighty God, stay with us always, not only in our worship, but as we share the risk and challenge of living our faith. By your powerful spirit, turn our fear to courage. Your glory shines in the face of Christ. Shine in our hearts and lives that we may be beacons of Christ's light in the world. And now we join in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. As we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. We are continuing our uh, stewardship campaign, our, our pledge drives in the month of, into the month of February through next week. And so uh, next I'll invite Lori Napa forward for our stewardship moment this morning. Thank you, David. And before I start, I'd like to thank Pastor David for a wonderful, inspiring, insightful, and powerful sermon. I couldn't have asked for a better transition. Thank you. So, good morning, church family. My name is Lori Napa, and over the past weeks, we've had wonderful stewardship messages from a number of you in the congregation that highlight all of the great things that we hope to do in 2024 and beyond including 
implementing those six priorities that were identified during the strategic planning process. I am thrilled by the excitement and commitment that has grown under Pastor Donna's phenomenal leadership. Can't you just feel the vibrancy and renewal of faith in the air? Yes? Many of you already know, because I've done this speech for the last six years, um, that I grew up in this church, but I'm not going to dwell on that today, except to say that this church is where my faith journey started, and with God's grace, this is where it will continue. I love this church. I love its people, and I love our entire staff who work tirelessly to support our mission and our ministries. We have been richly blessed. So, very quick and short, the Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. When we give of our time, our talents, and our treasure, we truly enter the life that Jesus taught us to live. So, my invitation to you is to give as generously as you're able, because now, more than ever, our church will flourish when we give joyously together. Thank you so much. And your first opportunity to give is now. <laughs> I'd like to invite us all into a time of giving. The offering plate will be passed by our wonderful ushers in the sanctuary. And I encourage you to be very generous as God has been generous to us. For those of you online, you have two methods you're able to give. One, by going online to edmundsumc.org give. And the other, by mailing a check to 828 Casper Street, Edmonds, Washington, 98020. Please give as cheerfully as you can. It's put to good use. My sanctuary, my hiding place where I belong. You are my peaceful harbor. You will bring me safely home. Out in the dark. When the light has gone Your waves and breakers roll over me And when my anchor won't touch the ground Deep calls to deep You are my sanctuary my hiding place where I belong. You
the morning, in the night, in the darkness, in the light. You alone will be my guide, for you are with me. In the morning, in the night, in the darkness, in the light. You alone will be my guide, for you are with me. You are my sanctuary, my hiding place where I belong. You and great wonders, we join with you in the joy of giving. You give us life and breath. You fill the world with beauty, our hands with bounty, and our hearts with the desire to give. Bless these gifts and ourselves in your service. May it be so. Amen. You may be seated. Get to help with the announcements as well. Um, and there are a few to share. A uh, couple of just updates about some things happening after the service today. One is something that will not be happening after the service, which is that there is not a table uh, from our racial justice team. That will be next month. Uh, so the announcement in your bulletin uh, is mistaken in that way. Uh, there is, however, a Palestine update happening in the chapel uh, following worship, uh, where you can hear uh, the latest uh, updates on the situation that's developing there. Not today. Oh, I'm sorry, February 25th, that's right, thank you, thank you. Um, there is today, this is what's today, the Welcome, Diversity, and Inclusion Strategic Committee will be meeting today at 11.15 in the library. And there's a note uh, to mention that if you are on the email list and did not, or if you believe yourself to be on the email list and did not get a notification of that, uh, the people responsible for that group are aware that they need to update their email list with a couple of things. And so uh, the, the announcement is that that will be happening at 11.15, the Welcome Diversity and Inclusion Strategic Committee meeting. 
Uh, coming up this week is uh, Ash Wednesday on, on a Wednesday evening, February 14th, so you can cancel your Valentine's Day plans and come join us in worship instead. I saw a really great uh, image online earlier that said you can't spell Lent, uh, Valentine's without Lent. Uh, so you can start your, uh, your Lenten journey with us this Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Next weekend, uh, I get to make a personal plug for the Evergreen Ensemble concert that's happening here in the sanctuary on Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Uh, there is also a concert in Seattle on Sunday, the 18th at 3 p.m. if you're not able to come on Saturday. Uh, it's a, a group that we started here at the church uh, with our opening concert last spring, and we've been able to present uh, another concert this last November, and this is our next project. We're featuring two really beautiful pieces by a Norwegian composer named Ola Yelo uh, called Dark Night of the Soul and Luminous Night of the Soul. And the themes of the concert kind of have to do with wintertime and Lent and a season of transformation and kind of um, the idea that in, in the darker seasons of life, sometimes that's when we find uh, uh, time and places to shape who we are and, and uh, look forward to the hope of spring and Easter and, and the light that comes. So I hope you'll join us for that. It's a wonderful program, a wonderful group of singers, and you won't want to miss it. And then uh, the rest of the, of the announcements are in there for you to read uh, as far as what's coming up. Uh, I think that that probably covers everything uh, that needs to urgently be said. I'll add my thanks to Pastor Valera for uh, being with us today while Donna's away in uh, Hawaii celebrating her birthday, and we'll get to welcome her back um, uh, next Sunday in worship. Uh, but for now, please join me in rising and singing our closing hymn uh, as we end. To you, O God, all creatures sing. softer Praises. 
forth in the world, knowing that you have been reminded of your mission and who you are to be. And what is that? To, to do justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And if you forget what you just said, turn to each other and ask, what did he say again? Go forth, friends, and may this day be a blessing to you as the days ahead. And take with you the spirit of our community gathered here, wherever you are. And know that God is always with you. Amen. Amen.